Did you ever feel powerless when it comes to weight loss? Well, today I have Dr. Linda Hodges here where we talk about the mindset and questions such as, why am I reaching for it? So let's listen directly in. Tell me a bit more about you. I'm, I'm actually my real as an ICU physician. I work in the intensive care unit in one of our local hospitals. I'm trained as what we call an intensivist. So after medical school, I did a residency in internal medicine and then did a two-year critical care fellowship. So extra training in critical care medicine. I have a lot of interests. So um, one of the things that I've always been interested in is just fitness and you know, weight loss medicine and those sorts of things. So in 2015, I got my board certification in obesity medicine and opened um, my own obesity specialty clinic. And then in 2017, I started a whole other clinic where I do um, ketamine infusions for, which is a general anesthetic um, that we use, but um, they discovered many years ago that it helps with refractory depression, PTSD, OCD, anxiety, and chronic pain. And none of that was being offered in my area. So I started doing that as well. So I have the obesity part of the clinic, which is now 90% online. And then I have this other clinic where I do these uh, medication infusions, you know, start the IV and run medications in uh, for this other completely different client population. Wow. Woman with a lot of interest um, about the obesity, I wonder, because the things that struck me as I've been brought up with this food pyramid myself, right? That actually, I remember the sentence and I was like, wow, the food pyramid contributed to having this epidemic almost of obesity, right? Higher now than ever. Why, you know, what are the factors that we have or is there more behind it? You know, there, there's a lot of debate with that. You know, in my experience, there's a lot more behind it, um, you know, because you can't deny the, the epidemiology, the trends, you know, the data is there that, you know, in the 1980s and 90s, when they started vilifying fat and encouraging such a higher percentage of carbohydrates, you know, it, it was it was that same time where our, our, you know, our overweightness and obesity levels started to, to increase our, you know, incidence of type two diabetes. And then, you know, subsequently we've developed uh, you know, diagnosis of metabolic syndrome and, you know, the things that have come out of that. I mean, all of that happened. I mean, we had that before, don't get me wrong, but it really skyrocketed when we started to vilify fat. And then I want to say in what, 1992, the food pyramid came out that had, you know, regardless of what you were taught, when you looked at the food pyramid, it looked like you could eat an unlimited amount of carbohydrates because that was what was at the bottom. Yes. And then just a scarce amount of fat. So yeah. we vilified fat and took out a lot of good nutrients, a lot of good, you know, omega-3 fatty acids and, you know, a lot of things that we need for number one, our brain, but other functions in our body, you know, hormone production and things like that. So we removed a lot of good things from our diet and replaced it with carbohydrates, but not so much just carbohydrates. We replaced it with fake food and fake, you know, things that come in packages. So you know, the food industry, when the food pyramid came out and this low fat, you know, thing started to happen, the food industry really seized on this. And I mean, it was, I don't, um, I don't remember the exact facts from my books, but 
it became just a multi-billion dollar industry, this low fat industry. And so now, you know, it's still, I still see it on packages, you know, Twizzlers ha will have a low fat or fat free food or whatever on there. So they really, you know, seize the opportunity to market um, these new foods, whether it be, you know, the snack wells or fat free fig Newtons or whatever, you know, things were coming out with. Um, they monopolized on that really, really heavily. And I mean, we, we, we created a whole new market of food just based on that low fat idea. Yes. Um, and I think that, so not only are we eating too much and we got the impression that these were, it's okay to eat all of these carbohydrates. We started supplementing with all these new fake foods, these overly highly processed products, and that's contributed quite a bit as well. Now, going on more of the question side, because as the podcast, we try to find questions, frameworks, procedures that either we can help friends through or that you help your clients go through. So the first question that, you know, if somebody comes to me or mentions anything about weight, the first question is to always ask, you know, is it impacting your health? Because, you know, there, I mean, certainly in my experience, I've seen people who are overweight or even obese that, that they don't have high blood sugar, they don't have hypertension, they don't have anything, you know, diagnosis wise, you know, um, as a consequence of their weight, they may down the line. But that's the first thing that we look for is, are there any health consequences, you know, going on to having this excess weight? And so that's where I start with everybody, because I always say, you know, losing weight is, a, is kind of a side effect to just being in good health overall. The, the primary goal is never to really lose weight. It's to be the healthiest person you can be. And then subsequently, losing weight just happens when you are the healthiest person that you can be. So that's how I approach it. So number one is what health consequences are we seeing? And especially that needs to be asked if there's, there's children involved. Um, but the second one is, you know, what is, why do you want to lose weight? And obviously with children, we want to just make sure they're as healthy as they possibly can be. And we want to prevent any problems as they grow up. But they're, you know, talking about kids is a little bit different than what, you know, talking about adults, because kids don't know why they want to lose weight. They don't even know they need to lose weight half the time. Yeah. So, you know, speaking about adults in general, the second question is, I want to know why they want to lose weight. Because, you know, if you're not emotionally connected with why you even want to start this process in the first place, if there's no emotional connection there, it's not going to mean anything. I mean, just saying, oh, because I've gained weight and you know, I'm heavier than I used to be or I can't fit into these jeans, maybe that creates an emotional connection with some, some people, but maybe it doesn't. So you have to be able to emotionally connect and really figure out why you're even wanting to do this. Um, you know, for example, I had a patient in my office the other day who I've been seeing for two years and we'd had this conversation a lot. And... And I brought this up many, many months to her and I brought it up again just the other day and um, I'll just call her Sally. And I said, you know, Sally, you're such a happy, happy person. Do you really, and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't obese. She wasn't that overweight. She just, anyway, I said, Sally, you're such a happy person. Do you really want to lose weight? You know, are all these changes that you're trying to make yourself make 
and that you're making yourself miserable, do you really want to lose weight? Or do you just feel like, you know, the excess weight that you have, you know, society tells you that you need to be a different weight. Your clothes are telling you you need to be a different weight. You haven't gained, but I just, you know, I just kind of was questioning whether she really was just happy where she was, but just the world was telling her that she needed to do something different. Yeah. And, um, and so she walked out of that visit, you know, just gave me a hug and she's like, no, I think this is not worth me getting so stressed about, you know, and I'd coached her for two years. I mean, we had tried medications, we had done all sorts of things, but I truly think that she was happy with how she was. I don't think that she wanted to lose weight. I think that she was just, you know, thought that she had to based on external factors. She never found, I mean, we did all kinds of discussions about, you know, her why, and it just was never there. And I just, so I kept bringing this up to her every couple of months, you know, is this, do you even want to do this? And I don't mean that bad at all. I just felt like, gosh, in every other area of her life, she was so dang happy, but she was making herself so miserable when it came to her weight. And finally, it was just like, I felt like she just experienced true freedom there in my office when I said, you don't have to do any of this. Wow. It finally kind of hit her that, okay. So if, if the why is an external, I feel like I have to, that's certainly not going to work. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, as you described, is that we're living right now in this, if we love measuring things, right? We should to a certain degree if we run too much, right? And then you said, well, there's fluids coming into our body to repair our muscles. That, that's the moment where we actually become heavier again uh, mm-hmm. in the same instant, right? So you're like, I'm doing all of this exercise and it feels good. I feel great, but the weight scale is not where it's supposed to be. And that is such a, uh, where we actually have to refocus our minds at first to just go more on where do we feel energetic, right? Where do we feel happy? And why, as you said, why do we even want to lose these kilos? What is the reason behind it? If we do change over time. Yeah, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to measure weight loss success besides the scale. The scale is just one thing. Um, and there are certain things, yeah, like the example that you just used, when we start exercising, most of us are going to gain a little bit of weight because of just the body's mechanism of protecting itself and being ready for your next workout you know, if you give yourself, you know, three or four weeks, that's going to work itself out. But, you know, that's why you hear people say, you know, I I gained seven pounds when I started working out. And when I stopped working out, I lost those seven pounds. I mean, it's just all fluid and your body doing exactly what it's supposed to do to protect you to repair muscle. And that just takes, you know, holding on to a lot of fluids, holding on to a lot of inflammatory stuff just to get you through that, you know, those new workouts. And so you're not so sore that is so perfectly wonderful of the body to do that. But yet we see this increased number, you know, when we step on the scale and think that it's, it should be wrong when, if we would just look at it, you know, take a step back and look at it logically, you know, and that's one of the things that I tell my patients, are you doing, are are these things good for you? Are you doing all of these things? You know, we, we know that they're good for you. So why would a couple extra pounds tell you that all of these wonderful things aren't good for you. And so I really try to throw the scale out the window with some people who have become very reliant on that one number, but there's so many ways to measure your success. Yeah. And that is actually a great question that you ask right there. 
So what are questions or untold questions maybe that a lot of that you get a lot from your clients? So I guess I guess the biggest thing is, you know, people come to me or read my book or, you know, do my program or whatever because whatever they're doing isn't working. And so but what most of them haven't realized because they don't come to me saying, hey, please teach me about the mindset and psychology of weight loss. I mean, that, I mean can, can you imagine anything more boring? Nobody comes to me asking me about that. They come to me asking me, you know, how do I lose this 20 pounds or how can I, I want to be the same weight, you know, I was when I, before I had my baby or, or whatever it was. They, they come to me wanting, they have a goal, you know, the, uh, a weight goal in mind and a number that they want to lose or a size, or an event that they want to lose weight for, but 99.9% .9 of them have also gone to every other place in town with the same request. Yeah. And so they'll cycle through all of these different programs and all of these different, um, you know, promises and gimmicky things that other people promise, you know, 30 pounds in 30 days or, or whatever, you know, the programs promise. And then it may work for them for a little while, and then eventually it stops working for them. And so they'll go to the next thing, or they'll follow whatever their sister did, or whatever their neighbor did that worked for them. And so by the time they get to me, um, you know, we do a little bit of that up front, you know, some, some quick wins up front to get, you know, a couple of pounds off. But my job and my passion is to show people really how to do this forever. So they don't have to keep that cyclic diet going. So, you know, they're not straight out asking me, hey, teach me about the mindset of weight loss. But, but yet that's what, that's what the body is wanting. That's what the mind is wanting. And that's what they need. I mean, do we want the mindset of weight loss? No, hell no. We want to lose like 20 pounds six days ago. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want to take time to learn about it. But, you know, we've all done it those quick, fast ways but yet here they're still sitting in my office. So obviously we need to change something. So when, you know, when I point a lot of these mindset issues out to them and what they've, you know, the rabbit holes they've been going down and the distractions that they've been, you know, following on Facebook, oh, you know, here's another diet that I'm seeing an ad for, or there's another, you know, thing open in my town that I'm going to go check out. You know, all of these things distract them from the real thing that's going on. And that's just, they haven't taken the time to, number one, figure out their why. Number two, figure out what has worked for them in the past and why it's not worked anymore. Um, and that's usually because people grow and change and things just work differently. Um, and number three, what their lifestyle is like that may confront them with truths that they don't really want to face. You know, are they sitting too much? Are they truly eating too much? So it's just a lot of those things that they don't know that they're asking, but I'm still going to give it to them. Yeah. And about what you said also about the lifestyle, I think it, it's what I read out of it that you take charge, you ask the question of literally, how can I enforce my environment? So you, you literally set up a plan with them up to the point where they're traveling, which is sometimes the hardest part. Uh, to really search out the restaurants on the way, to really how do I control, control my surrounding to let it fit my goal. So it's not the other way around that I have to discipline myself to deal with the surrounding. How can I control the surrounding in that? 
Right. Yeah. I think that a lot of people in my experience, a lot of people feel that they have no power or no control over a lot of things when it comes to food. And if you really just sit back and think about all the things that we do, you know, for example, if you, if we want to look at travel, if you're going to take, you know, a week long vacation, most of us, you know, do all of this online anymore. We plan like every single thing out. We budget every single thing out. I mean, all this work and hours and planning and money goes into, you know, this vacation. But so we have all this power to plan this awesome vacation, but yet we feel like our food, we're just going to be just kind of a, you know, a, a, a consequence to where, whatever the vacation does to us. Well, the food should be, the food planning, if it's important enough to you, should be part of that overall planning of the vacation. I mean, if we want to stay on task, and I mean, granted, some people don't. Some people want to take a break and just have some indulgences, and that's 100% fine. But that's a choice. You're not being completely at the hands of your vacation if you are making that choice. My point, though, is that we can plan restaurants. We can look at places saying, okay, I'm staying at this hotel. There's an Applebee's. I'm just using, you know, ridiculous examples here, but there's a, there, here's my hotel. Then here's an Applebee's. Worst comes to worst. I know that I can always go to Applebee's and get some sort of a salad or a burger with no bun or something, whatever the meal plan this person might be on. So that's what I'm not saying you have to coordinate every single meal. But looking at what you have access to at the places you're going, you can at least plan and do sort of a food budget, not, not a money budget, but a food budget, meaning, oh, so I'm going to indulge this meal. So that means the next meal I can't indulge so much. So you can do some, somewhat of a food budget by just knowing where you're going to be and knowing what is in the area and what you have access to. You're, you're so much more powerful than, than you think you are when it comes to to food, we just we just don't realize it. I think that is the, actually the biggest statement that I take out of talking with you is literally taking responsibility, noticing how much in control we are also in food topics. Because you are right, a lot of us do feel that at one point we don't have control over it, right? We just indulge. Do you still count your calories on a daily basis and nor carbs described in the book? Or is that if you really want to, if you want to lose weight, but afterwards you balance it out? Oh no, that's, it's, it's, that would be like asking somebody, um, you know, do you, do you pay off your credit card only to go back to go spending? <laughs> so, no, it, this is a, this is a forever thing. Um, there, there's never, there is no done with food management and weight management because you will always be changing. We're always changing. Our bodies changing, our jobs change, our routines change. And therefore how we react to food changes, you know, as we, I mean, that's why there's a senior menu, right? Because, you know, older folks maybe eat a little earlier, maybe not as much. Um, so our needs change as we get older and, you know, and the needs of a 24 year old woman who's super active and, you know, is running, you know, division one track, her needs are going to be different at that age than when she's 34 and has two kids and isn't as active. So you're, 
this is this is never going to be done. I mean, it, it's it's almost like you're never going to be done saving money or you're never going to be done budgeting because what your life is like will always change. You know, you're always going to need a new refrigerator at some point. So you have to kind of account for that. You're always, I mean, you know, when you have, when you go from one kid to two kids, things are going to change. <laughs> so food, food is exactly the same way. And if you can, if you can take the things that you're already good at and the things that you already accept as part of your life, such as budgeting and, you know, saving money and watching what you spend and knowing your limits and apply those to how you think about food, things will get so much easier because you already have the skill set to keep going. So yes, I, I do count calories. I try to log my, I don't log my food every day because I eat a lot of the same things. So I just kind of already know what's on my plate for the day. <clears throat> that just keeps my prepping and planning for the week easy. But no, it's, it's simple carbs. I try to never go over 80 to 100 carbs a day because that's, that's just what makes me feel the best. You know, that, that may not be enough for some people and it may be way too much for other people, but that's what makes me feel the best. So there's never a done. Um, I indulge sometimes like everyone else does, but the, by and large, yeah, no, I have to do it or I can get out of, out of control as well. Yeah. 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 So when you boil it down with what do you help your clients the most? Is it weight loss? What are their deepest desires? I think they're searching for the knowing within themselves that they can do it. They're searching for control um, of their lives. And for whatever reason, this food thing is the one area that, that they feel like maybe dictates a lot of the other aspects of their lives. And so, you know, I don't, teach people to lose weight per se. I mean, because you can go on any, you can go into any diet clinic and get handed a, you know, a thousand calorie meal plan. You can order stuff online. There's, there's all kinds of those plans. If you just want to lose weight. Um, the problem is, you know, we want to keep it off and I don't want somebody to feel like they're on a diet for the rest of their life. So if we learn how you know, weight loss works and we learn how each individual person works and which, you know, takes work on their own to figure this out. And I help them through that. Then weight loss should continue at, even though it's at a slower pace, I want it to be where you don't even realize you're doing it. That's, that's my goal that you mm -hmm. have, you have the mindset of, you know, that two to four pounds a month is fine because slow weight loss is great. And I don't feel like I hate myself or the world or everyone around me. And I'm not angry because I'm always on a diet. So, you know, using the skills that you already have with budgeting and the other, you know, responsibilities that most people have as grownups and applying it to food, just recognizing, hey, indulgences have consequences. And I can't probably do this every single day. That was going to re result in weight loss but it's not going to make somebody feel like they're dieting all the time. Yes. Yes. Which makes absolutely sense because if you feel that you're dieting, then you always kind of feel like you're missing out on something, right? You yeah. You get resentful and you don't, I mean, the last thing you want to be is resentful. I mean, you have to think of your relationship with food as any other relationship. You know, there has to be some give and take. There has to be a little bit of reward, um, but there has to be a lot of respect there. And when you start to resent um, the dieting process and you start to resent the whole, you know, that you can't have 
whatever your favorite thing is every single day, then you're, you're going to lose. It can't be looked at. That's like saying, oh, I can't go buy a new car every day. So therefore I'm just going to just forget it. I'm just going to go spend all my money and it's, you know, forget it. We would never do that. But yeah, we do that a lot with food that all or nothing. But what are your favorite questions, you know, to, to then guide them to a specific goal? So the first thing obviously is to ask them, but you know, like I said about the health consequences, because that determines, you know, just kind of how urgent the situation is, but let's just, let's just say people are fairly healthy. And then number, number one, we have to figure out why they want to lose weight. You know, what's their motivation behind it? Are they saving for, are they losing weight for a trip? Do they just want to be healthier? Do they want to play on the floor with their grandchildren? You know, what, what is the why? Because why power is going to be way, way better than willpower any day. And then, then I develop the biggest thing that I do is I develop a baseline with people. I need to know what they're doing now to figure out where the problem is. Um, you know, and I, in the book I talk about, you know, you would never, you would never go into your tax person or your financial planner and just be like, I'm not saving any money. Can you just figure this out? Yeah. You know, without any data. So for me to be able to help people, I have to have some data. So I have them, you know, I want baseline activity. I want, I want to know what their day's like. I want to know, you know, what they do on the weekends and I want to know what they're eating just on an average day to day when they're eating. Um, are they eating in bed? Are they going all day without eating? You know what, just, I have to know what they're doing. And once I know that we can kind of come up with usually a plan um, to try some different things. And while I'm implementing those, you know, structural changes in the background, we're working on, you know, because while I'm implementing those changes, there's going to be questions. You know, if I say, well, we need to, um, you know, to avoid, you know, that lull in the afternoon, we need to cut out the chips and maybe have a little bit of protein and fat. And so then we're going to talk about how can they get a little bit of a protein and a fat snack in at work. And then we're going to talk about, do they have a refrigerator at work? Do they have a microwave at work? You know, can they, can they take their food? Can they step out and get something? You know, all of those logistics that they haven't thought about are going to come out of just the simple planning of food and calories and macronutrients because we all have different lives and different situations. I mean, some people just have no ability to leave work to go get a meal. So then we're going to talk about packing our food. And then we got to talk about what will they like, what can they eat cold versus what can they warm up? So it just, there's a lot of, of stuff that goes into it. So the mindset work and the figuring out what works with your life, your income, you know, your routines, that's all going on in the background while people are implementing these, these new changes. Absolutely. And this may sound like a, a strange question, but let's say the situation you want to, you're at the moment where you're reaching for that chocolate or that plate too much, you know, um, what questions or what, where would you focus your, uh, your mindset uh, at that moment to say, to kind of cut that off, ideally? <laughs> you know? Well, that's a hard one. So, <laughs> I guess, you know, if you can, if you can stop yourself, the first thing is to figure out why you're even reaching for it. And so, and, and most people in that situation are going to reach for it and they're going to eat it. Um, but if you can, if you can stop yourself, number one is to try to figure out why, why are you eating? Are you procrastinating? Is there something you need to be doing, but yet you don't want to do it. So you're going to reach for something else and just kind of mindlessly snack a little bit. Um, or one of the big things, did you let yourself get too hungry and now you don't even care what you eat? You just want something in your belly. 
So those are the two biggest things or what we, you know, what's going on. Or, I mean, usually people have either anxiety that they're eating, they're just kind of mindlessly snacking or they've let themselves get too hungry. So, and then I'm going to say, why was that stuff there in front of you in the first place? <laughs> and then we're going to talk about, you know, environmental control and stimulus control. You know, you can't, you can't eat what's not there. You can't crave what's not right in front of you a lot of times. Um, you know, and how then you're going to, we're going to go into how to change your routine. So a lot of times in those situations, it's not so much, how do I stop people? Because that's really, really hard. I mean, you and I can talk about that all day long, how, you know, it's right in front of us. We're probably going to eat it. But the important thing is to reflect and figure out number one, why did I feel like snacking? Number two, why was it there in the first place? And how can I avoid being in this exact same situation in the future? Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, and, and those aren't, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a failure because somebody can't walk away and just, I mean, we do little tricks and hacks in so many areas of our lives to make things easier for us. Yes. This is just one more. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's pretty much the most important part of what I do. You know, just the biggest thing is just figuring out what people are doing that can be optimized. Because most people have things that can be optimized and most people just don't realize how much power they have when it comes to this because we just feel so powerless with food for whatever reason. That is a powerful statement in itself. That is so true nowadays that even though we have we have more power right we have more control over our environment i mean besides not of course the natural and yet we believe we're powerless that is kind of why do you believe why do you believe that is i just have i'm curious is it just human nature that we're born with or is it because we brought up no i think i think that um i think that we genetic not genetically i think that as a species we have this mentality of scarcity. I mean, we're always, our body is always telling us we need to prepare for famine, but you mix that with the reward centers that we've, we've created with these super rich foods. And you mix that with the availability of foods nowadays. And it's just a huge mixture for complete metabolic chaos um, because we have access to food 24 hours a day now where in, in on all foods you know in all foods I remember when I was younger you only had you know that super super good birthday cake frosting you only yeah. had that at birthdays I mean that's it you couldn't just go to the store at two in the morning and get a birthday cake well now you can and so, you know, if you're looking and you're faced with something and you're thinking, and, and I tell people like you, there's so much, I mean, if you want that, if you truly want whatever you're, you're having, you can get it 24 hours a day. Now it's not limited to whatever situations we used to be, you know, limited to, you know, my, one of my favorite things about Christmas used to be fudge. You know, my grandma would make, you know, chocolate fudge and peanut butter fudge. Oh. Now I can go to a store a half hour away from me any day and they have, they have freshly made fudge. Yeah. And that so there's nothing. Take, that also takes nothing. kind of the special moments out of it. Right? Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's nothing special about a lot of this food anymore because it's so available to us. 
So between, you know, the, you know, this reward circuit that we've created with eating and then we get this little surge of dopamine and it feels good. And with our, you know, just evolutionary speaking, we're always, you know, preparing for a famine and we're afraid of scarcity and food being available so readily. It's just really set us up for badness. Wow. Yeah, absolutely agree. So thank you so much for your time. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so uh, just for, so that all the listeners who are listening, they again go on the website, which we will post below the podcast, right? To right. inform, to get your book. Because I mean, as they were listening, right? That it's totally different from all of the, the billion dollar, I think you, you wrote in the book, 66 billion dollar industry of weight loss, different weight loss program that this is just really about you and the whole mindset to get behind it, which is so different and so valuable. Yeah. And if, if they go to the website, which is um, exceptionalweightloss.com, they can download the first two chapters of the book completely free and see if they like it and like my style of writing. I invite anyone to, to do that. Um, that is a in itself is a very good resource, just even those first couple chapters. Perfect. Perfect. So thank you so much again, Linda, for taking on this podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Yes, and thanks a lot. I appreciate talk, it. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.